Central PA's favorite Penn State insiders are back. The Nitwits return for a 26th season. And tonight, the crew returns to preview Penn State football's 2023 season. So sit back, relax. We've got a great half hour of insight in store for you tonight as our Nittany Nation Overtime season preview kicks off. Let's go. And welcome inside the Nittany Nation studio. It's another season of Nittany Nation Overtime. I'm Andrew Clay, joined by the Nitwits. Of course, we've got Mark Brennan, Neil Riddell, and Joe Nastasi, former Nittany Lion. Over there is this week's guest. Neil, you wanted to get right into it. We know how big this season is for Penn State. Getting into our predictions, let's start with you. Well, thank you, Andrew, and how quick you are to jump into the set. Oh, we're uh, just good, going. We're just good going. Good to see everybody. It's always a highlight. You know... Over the summer, I was thinking, I know what Joe's going to do. Yeah, and we all do. <laughs> I kind of do. Projection. I say 11 right, Joe? I say 11 I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll hold off. 11 and 1. I, I was even going to go one better than that, but they, you know, got to prove some things. And as a media member, you don't want to go totally over the top, and then all of a sudden they're 9 and 3. But I don't expect that. Uh, the national over-under is 9 and a half, and to me, if they don't hit, they don't go at least 10 wins, it's going to be a disappointing season because it's going to mean losses probably to Michigan and Ohio State and somewhere else along the line if they get to 9 wins. I see them beating one of those two. Don't know which one yet. Uh, Ohio State is an unsettled quarterback situation. Michigan's dealing with distractions. I think this is the year they've really built for this team. Mark? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at it the same way. I'll just come right out and say 11-1. and one. And, you know, my rationale, this is as deep a Penn State team as we've seen under James Franklin, as talented a team as we've seen. But what do we know about Penn State traditionally? Penn State has been unable to beat Michigan and Ohio State in a given year. They haven't done it since 2008 haven't beaten them both when those two teams are ranked since 1994. So it's been a minute. They're going to have to show me that they can do that in a given season, th that they have the mindset, that they have the physical ability, they have the talent, they have the depth to do it, but they're going to have to do it before I can go on on that limb. I, I'm like Neil. I think they win one of those two games, and that still keeps you in the mix for the Big Ten title and a college football playoff, but I don't think they get both. And, and Joe, you're going to say they beat both those teams. So why is that? Because you're going to go undefeated, right? We're going, we're going one and no mentality. So, I mean, we got West Virginia to start with, but that's how we have to look at it. But the graphics were great. I really like that. Didn't look like that 26 years ago, I'm sure. <laughs> but, hey, you know, I, I do. I like, you know, everything that they're saying is, is correct. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on injury. I mean, you got a, you got a new quarterback here. The run game's going to help it. Offensive line's going to help it. I, I mean, I'm going to say... Third, uh, what, what we got? Twelve. Well, yeah, before bowl, the bowl so, game. So, so prior regular post, season. Yeah, regular. Okay, we'll go. We'll go. Uh, Twelve and zero. Twelve. And yeah, 0. I like it. I mean, you know, I just, <laughs> I just, I hit it before. I'm just saying they have the pieces in place. Like, like you were saying, they have the depth. Uh, I'm excited about seeing it. But again, I, me personally as a coach, I'm taking the one and no mentality. We got West Virginia. It's gonna make it happen. And, and I, I agree with everything everyone here has said. I'm a ten and two guy. 
Uh, I'm not convinced they're going to win even one of those games, uh, but I'm also not convinced they're not going to lose a silly game like Illinois nine overtime in the rain. We've seen that throughout the time, and, and honestly, to me, it just all comes down to Drew Aller. We know the defense is going to be great. Uh, it's just going to come down to whether they can pass the ball as effectively as they want to, and, and I think we're all kidding ourselves if we know who Drew Aller really is, but I know that's what you want to talk about next. So what are your expectations Neil for Drew Aller and and who was the last quarterback like this that carried this kind of uh, hype heading into a new season? Yeah, that, that's a good one. You really have to go back to probably the Kerry Collins era of a guy that everybody was looking forward to seeing uh, almost from the minute they got there. And they've usually had maybe more of a competition uh, back in those days through through the nineties. They haven't picked a starter yet. What do you mean? Yeah, I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> um, you know. I expect him to build on last year. When you look at what he did in the Purdue game, when he came in in a tough situation on the road at night, Big Ten opener, season opener, threw a beautiful ball that was dropped. He didn't have any interceptions through the season. Very poised, strong arm. I, I mean, I know some people have already had him the Heisman hunt, which to me is, is premature, but I look for him to be able to build. And, hey, they have a lot of talent around him. He doesn't have to win every football game by himself. I think I expect him to play yeah, well. And I think that's the key point. You know, number one, you look at the talent around him. This is as deep an offensive line as Dev had that they can afford to have an injury or two and still be a really good offensive line. Maybe the best running back tandem in the country, one of the best tight end tandems in the country. And I think the wide receivers are a little bit underrated. I think they're going to be a little bit better than people think. The other thing he has going for him is the schedule. You know, I don't have to take it one game at a time. I could look at the season in, in little chunks, and I think if you look at those first few games, he is not going to have to carry that team. The other thing, they're going to have an outstanding defense, so he's going to have a margin for error that maybe some other people wouldn't have. So I think all those things, eventually the talent in that kid, it, it, Everything we've seen, everything we've heard, everything we know, the talent is there for that kid. It's just a matter of time until it comes out, and I think he's fortunate that he's going to have that time. You know, uh, quarterback's best friend, good defense in a run game, and I think, you know, we're set up for that. So everything that you guys have been talking about with the depth on the offensive line and being able to run the football with great running backs, you know, that's really going to help him because now he's going to be put in a position where he's going to get some one-on-one -on -one matchups. He's going to have, you know, it's not going to be sitting back there we have some play action that's going to really be really good for him so that we don't have to sit there and just rely on dropping back and throwing this thing 40, 50 times a game. That's really going to help. Won't get the Heisman numbers, but, you know, it's going to be a good football team. I also like the fact that they, uh, he and Yersich have a good rapport. This is the second year with Yersich where Yersich recruited them. I think there's a comfort zone there. And Joe, I wanted to, what I want to ask you, though, specifically, mm -hmm. you know, we set expectations. Mm -hmm. It's up to players to deliver them. What, what is, what, what, how do players react to the expectations that the three of us over here like to go out here on TV and, and set? And then what do you, how do you guys internalize those? Or do you guys even hear those expectations? You do. I mean, it, you, you would be fooling yourself if you thought that people didn't listen to what was being said about them, uh, good or bad. Um, the expectations are what they are. He's a competitor. He, has, he didn't get to this position by not being that way. Um, you know, and, and some guys, it, like, like what I see in him right now, is he's a guy that wants the ball in the fourth quarter. You, you just see these guys that are able to take that information process and say, yeah, there's a lot of weight, but that's what you want. That's why you, that's why you go to Penn State. That's why you're a quarterback and have those high expectations because you have them for yourself. 
So it, it'll be exciting for him to come out there uh, and see, you know, exactly what he'll do. And I think they're going to put him, coach and staff's going to put him in a good position to get his feet wet. Because, again, night game, this is a Nash TV first, really his first go at it here. But a good run game and defense is definitely going to help him. And, Andrew, you know this, and Neil does to a, to a certain extent, too, because we're in the media, the way he carries himself with us. And I'm not saying that because it's a, some huge, huge thing, but, you know, there are people, when you're in front of that spotlight, when you're up on that main stage, that is not the easiest thing to do. This kid's handling the NIL stuff really well. He's dealing with us out at the Rose Bowl. Uh, he was crushed by media, even though we didn't think he was going to play a whole lot because everybody has the expectations. And he's handled himself really well, like, uh, you know, like that number one quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Drew Aller is the most highly recruited quarterback here at Penn State since Christian Hackenberg. Now, we did see it work his freshman season. A lot of things changed. Hackenberg was in a very unique situation. Uh, we'll see if Aller can avoid that sophomore slump. I think that's always a fear. Yeah, but I, I get back to the point Joe made, and, and I know the expectations, uh, you know, with all of us, but I don't think any of the expectations that these teams have, uh, theirs are all higher than ours. They all believe that they're, mm -hmm. they're going to get there. You hear them all say, oh, we got the best uh, group of tight ends in the country. And we get the best. And they have, you know, three candidates for player of the year on defense. I mean, all these lists, you know, they shouldn't lose a game, really. <laughs> no, he's right. You're right. I, I don't think Neil's been on the message board to see all those 13 and 0 fans <laughs> out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to, let's put a pin in this. Let's come back. When we come back after this break, we're going to talk more about underrated players and look at more positions of strength. We're not just talking about quarterbacks when Indian Nation Overtime returns. You're watching Nittany Nation Overtime. Back here on Nittany Nation Overtime. Remember, all season long, keep up with Penn State football over on the Nittany Nation app. The QR code's right there on your screen. Back here in studio, Joe Nastasi, our guest, Mark Brennan, Neil Riddell, it's the Nitwits, of course, Nittany Nation Overtime, 26th season. Uh, I want to go into positions of strength. We know, we've talked about quarterback, we've talked about defense. What else we got? What's where, the strengths here, Mark? Well, Neil's trying to figure out what a QR code is, number one. <laughs> what you do is you take your cell phone out and you just do one of those. Adam told me he likes the podcast and it's easier to want, listen to. No, Good. Listen, I think there are the obvious positions of strength. I mentioned a couple of them. Running back with Singleton and Allen. Uh, at tight end, I think you have uh, Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson. Both guys were banged up last year. Those are the obvious places. I think you look at the secondary, even with the kids that they lost, Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr., they are absolutely stacked back there. Kalen King, to me, is a better cornerback than Joey Porter Jr. To me, he's the best overall player in the team. And when you look at the people that they have at safety, they have four safeties who are capable of playing at an elite level, including Keaton Ellis, who started every game last right. year. Uh, but look for Jalen Reed. He's a guy who had the second most snaps of any safety last year behind Jair Brown, KJ Winston. I mean, it just goes on and on in that secondary. So when I look at positions of strength, there are those spots, there's defensive ends, but I think overall, you look at that secondary, it's a beast. 
I mean, <laughs> you're laying down the gauntlet, pal. I'm going to yeah. remind yeah. you when they go to Ohio State because Kalen King's going to have to match up with Marvin Harrison. Sure. And yeah. that's going to be one of the keys to that game and this season. Yeah. So I'll say linebackers. I mean, to me, Carter and Jacobs, I mean, these are terrific players. Obviously, they gave Carter number 11. He looks like he's going to be special. Um, I don't know whether it'll be Ellison or Elsden uh, or um, it'll King. He'll be King. Yeah. So I think they have a good group of linebackers. I love Abdul Carter. I think, I think who doesn't? Yeah, I mean he's he's really really good. Um, obviously the, the the backfield. I mean you look at a running back situation, and that's you know that's a Juwan yeah. Sider situation. Went down, got guys, lands guys, know how to recruit, best in the business. Uh, you know I just I, I see that backfield and that offensive line. I mean I think you know what they've done with that offensive line now. They're going to be able to get that ball downhill now. It just you know, really, you can go position by position, but I really like the linebacker situation. I'm not sure how deep we are there, but like, you know, Abdul Carter, in my opinion, it, and and of course, I want to go with the state high, Keaton Ellis at, at uh, safety. So those are probably the positions that I would say. And what no one has mentioned, hasn't been brought up this entire show, that defensive line. Mm -hmm. I, that front four, that front seven as a team, to me, one of the best, in, in def, probably the best in the Big Ten, one of the best in the country. They're just, they're deep. There's a lot of talent there. They're going to get a lot of sacks. We looked at what they did last year with tackles for loss, sacks, right. QB hits, hurries, all of that. There's no reason to, to not expect that to be a factor this year. So from strengths to weaknesses, Neil, where, what concerns you about this team? Well, you know, I know the, the defensive expectation is off the chart, but you know what? Michigan Ohio State scored 80 points against them combined. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, and Michigan rammed the ball right down their throat. So before we anoint this defense as the best in the country or, or even one of the best, they're going to have to prove that they can get in a, a back-and-forth game and not be lit up for the, quite that many points. So to me, that's an, oh, just an overall uh, concern. And, you know, you don't have experience at quarterback. Certainly don't have any behind Aller. Mm. So I think you have to put them in the kicking game as well. Yeah, I think Neil waited till the end to say that <laughs> the, the biggest glaring potential trouble spot is going to be the kicking game. You have to replace your starting place kicker, your starting snapper, your starting holder. That is a lot of parts to bring together. So mm -hmm. your one scholarship kicker, uh, Sanders Sahadak from, from down in the Lehigh Valley, you would imagine that, that he's going to be able to beat out Alex Fickens, who's the uh, transfer for, from Columbia. Uh, but it's not just that. I mean, again, you have a new holder and a new snapper. And it's one thing to do these things. Like, we've been at practice, and it's been pretty cool to see that they're going through, and Franklin's literally there, like, yelling at these guys as they're going to kick to try to distract them. That's one thing. When your first game is on NBC at night in Beaver Stadium against a Power 5 opponent, so I'm just saying, this team, sooner or later, you're going to be in a close game, and that kicking game better come through. I think that is the biggest issue on this team right now. Yeah, but you don't need to kick field goals when you score touchdowns, right? <laughs> well, sooner or later, you're going to have to kick field That's goals. That's right. A little, little hand on your pick. We hear <laughs> tight game, huh? Uh, <laughs> okay. Like well, we're going to get to that in just a second. But we Joe, you, what's your concern before we hit this break? So, well, you know, when you're talking about the concern, it's always the kicking game because it's just like anything else. You don't know what the offensive lineman's name is until he gets the flag. So, you don't, you know, don't need him till you need him. And then all of a sudden he has a game winner and you understand who he is. So, you know, the kicking game, I know we've had some question marks at receiver because we haven't had that one guy yet that, that has really step, stepped up and blown the lid off. So, to me, it would be probably kicking game uh, receiver position. And, and I'm not saying they're not great, but, you know, we have to take the one and no mentality and show up, just like Neil said on the defensive side of the game. Uh, one more quick point uh, on a concern. Uh, Tangwell, 
you know, he missed the second half of last year, and now he's been out part of uh, part of camp. Um, and it was, you know, a lot of high hopes for him. Yeah, I think they're fortunate that they have J.B. Nelson, a junior college transfer who was able to redshirt last year. He's one of the brawlers on the team. Not sure how long uh, Tangwell is going to be out, but they're good. That's the depth that we're talking about. And one other thing, it's Falcons, not Ficken, because if they had Sam Ficken, it'd be in a good spot uh, with the kicking game. So I apologize for getting Alex's name wrong. Well, when we come back, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Big Ten expansion. It's all the buzz in college football. What's changing around the landscape? We're going to dive into that when Indy Nation Overtime returns. You're watching Nittany Nation Overtime. Well, gentlemen, Big Ten expansion has been a huge point of topic throughout this entire offseason. Big Ten was 10 teams, 11 teams, 14 teams. Now we're going to 16, 18 to the future. What are your reactions first, Neil? Uh, well, I mean, you know, Penn State's in great position. I, I do feel bad for the everybody, the Washington states and the Oregon states and people who may not be able to have the same kind of program that they've had for a hundred years. Uh, you know, what's going to happen? Here's Stanford, for God's sake, looking for a home. So I, I think college sports so badly needs leadership, and it's not real optimistic that they're going to find it. But Penn State's in great condition. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. It, it, it's tough to see what's happening to college sports. I think it's inevitably going to be two major conferences for the, for the, for the powerhouse sure. teams. But that's the way it's going. And as Neil said, Penn State is extremely well positioned. So it's better to be in that spot than yeah. you said, than some of these programs. I mean, it, it's sad to see Stanford, Cal, these, these programs with their hat in hand trying to <laughs> work their way into conferences. For sure. Joe, is this hard for you particularly as a, play, as a, as a former player? Well, this is a rich gets richer. Uh, the traditional side of it is, you know, kind of gone. You don't see the, you know, it's just all changed in the playoffs. You're going to see a more like a, NFL style, I think you're going to, like you say, you have the AFC, NFC. I think that's sort of how it's going to be set up. You're going to have the South you're going to, or the North, however they divide it. Um, good. I, I mean, it's good for, like you said, Penn State. Um, some teams that are borderline, you almost have to almost have a, another conference. You have a 1A, you might have a 1-2A, 1-3A. I mean, because you're going to have schools that are just not going to be able to do it anymore, and they're going to be irrelevant in the big picture. And, you know, it's like, where do they find a home, like you said? And, it, I mean, I like it because we're on the right side of it. You know, we're on the Penn State side of it because big market. I, I, I'm excited to see a, a Saturday night game with USC and Penn State in, in the regular season November over here at our stadium. So, you know, the, those part of it, yeah, that's really good. But, for the like you said, the other schools and the traditions, those are pretty much gone, and I've accepted that. To agree with Mark a little bit, I think we're kidding ourselves when we think this is over. If we're thinking that, you know, in the next five, ten years, we're not going to see an even bigger yeah. overhaul of college football. For sure. Let's talk about underrated players, players who are flying under the radar. I want to start with you, Mark. Who do you think is, is just someone we're not talking enough about? Yeah, I mentioned it before. Kobe King, the middle linebacker. Kalen King's twin brother, if you can believe it. He's much bigger than, than Kalen. But uh, from everything we hear, just has taken his game to another level. It was tough because Tyler Elston was out in the spring with an injury. That gave Kobe King more and more snaps. And I think everybody's talking rightfully so about Abdul Carter and about Curtis Jacobs. Uh, but look for Kobe King in the middle of that defense. I'll throw out Daquan Hardy. He's a guy that comes in sometimes in nickel packages, and he also can help you. He's around the ball a lot and on special teams. 
He'll be the Prowler, too. Uh, he's going to take over Prowler. from J.R. Brown. It's like the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the Prowler. How about you, Joe? So we're going to go Trey Potts in, this, in, the, uh, in the backfield. Uh, reason is, I think, you know, that transfer coming over from Minnesota, he's a Williamsport guy. Uh, we played against him in high school ball, so, you know, I had a chance to see him. Excellent talent. And so he's going to be in that room, and that'll give us give us opportunity to get some of those younger guys ready. You know, I know they changed the redshirt rule, but, uh, you know, I think that's really good to have that three guys. Season's long, a lot of injuries, a lot of spot play here and there, and I think he's a guy that can come in there as a vet and, and, and really help out. I'm going with Deny Dennis Sutton. We talk about Adisa. We talk about Chop on the defensive line. I see a lot of rotation in there, and I think Deny Dennis Sutton is going to be in for a big season. When we come back is our West Virginia predictions. Any guesses on who's going to start off 1-0 this season? <laughs> That's when Nittany Nation Overtime returns. Don't miss a minute of Nittany Nation Overtime, now also on Apple and Spotify. You're watching Nittany Nation Overtime. About 90 seconds to close this out. Let us get our West Virginia picks in. We're going to start on my left here, Mark. What you got? Yeah, I think Penn State. I see an edge around this team. James Franklin at practice recently has been really kind of motivated and a uh, little amped up. So I think Penn State's going to play well, win this relatively easy, 37-14. to 14. Hmm. Okay, I said 38-13. Uh, That's 25. Don't land on me. Oh, man. I'm going, uh, let me see. I don't, I'm not good at math. Let's go uh, Penn State 45, uh, West Virginia 27. Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. Second's going to be in fourth quarter. Uh, I, my number was very much around Mark, so I'm going to change it up here a little bit and go, I'm going to go 34 to 6. Penn wow. State's going to get a near shutout. Now you guys are squeezing me already. <laughs> You're the one who squeezed. I went first and you immediately <laughs> squeezed. Neil starts off cheating right off the bat. Do you have a you QR code that he can? Do I have a QR code <laughs> for him? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll replay the tape later and figure this out later. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for this first edition of Nittany Nation Overtime. When we come back here next time, Penn State's going to be 1-0, right? Yeah. Let's go. We got Bill Kantz. For Mark Brennan, Neil Riddell, Joe Nastasi, I'm Andrew Clay. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching WTAJ's Nittany Nation Overtime. Tonight's show is brought to you by DeLeo Games, Sisney and O'Donnell, The Student Bookstore, Joel Comfort Toyota, Legends Power Sports, and Building and Mall.